0: Because if something's worth talking about, it's worth talking about. No, try again. (laughs) I was a real man once. Coming to you live from the Elf Wrangling Centre and Christmas Tiki Bar and Grill deep within the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. It's the Hardcore Genki Hour. Hey Hey kids, kids. do you you like like movies?
1: Do you like nerdy things? Do you
0: like getting excited about stuff?
1: Do you want two geeks talking?
0: About what they've watched, read and done?
1: made in the last two months.
0: Well, hold on to your Christmas list,
1: because now it's time for
0: the The Hardcore Hardcore Genki Genki Hour. Yay!
1: Hello and welcome to the Hardcore Genki Hour. I'm Laura Pink Apple Jam Watton-Davis, your friendly neighbourhood itterbag lady.
0: And I'm Andrew Raggedy Man Watton-Davis as convincingly animated as the snowman at your shopping centre's Christmas display.
1: And this is the December 2018 update on our world of comics, films, TV, conventions, creations and generally being excited about stuff, here at the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki.
0: Because if something's worth getting excited about, it's worth talking about.
1: Or, as our Richard DeVarmont from the horror podcast Bella Lugosi's Shed put it, my friends Laura and Andrew talking pop culture and current events in geekdom.
0: High praise indeed from the Shed. Thanks Rich. Thank you,
1: Rich. We're going to go straight into some of the films that we've been watching. So let's start with Bohemian Rhapsody. First up, because it's one of the biggest movies on the planet right now and combines our love of majestic drama, overblown rock biopics and gratuitous on-screen pussies. It's Bohemian Rhapsodies. Rami Malek stars in a movie which went through eight years of production hell until they worked out that the secret to making a 1000% return on investment was to literally just make it about Freddie Mercury.
0: All they needed to do.
1: (laughs) It took them a very long time to figure that out. So, uh, Lucy Boynton as his wife slash platonic life partner slash key plot confusion, Mary Austin, a bunch of lookalikes as the rest of the band, and a brace of the finest British character actors from throughout the, quote, available section (laughs) as everybody else. Overall, it's a pacey 134 minutes. It covers all bits of history of Freddie, Mercury and Queen, you already know, but in a more dramatic form. So, uh, this is a spoiler-free zone for anyone over the age of 20. (laughs) So it plays all their quite amazing singles like a tape that have been left in the car too long. <laughs> Queen's Greatest Hits, Volume 2. <clears throat> and finally, recreates the most amazing live performance, a live aid.
0: Mm. It's It starts with the live aid performance. It ends with the live aid performance. It's a curious little bookends wrapping for the whole thing, which is kind of daft because the opening sequence is them going on stage and then about the last... I'd say about like the last 20 minutes of the movie is will they or won't they go on stage?
1: Is it? I never yeah. got that. I never got that <laughs> there, there was a the
0: tension vibe they tried to create but failed because you knew what was going to happen.
1: You <sighs> did. And it kind of ended with Live Aid even though they, Queen did a whole load of other stuff after Live yeah. Aid because, you know. Queen? Yeah. <laughs> so it was totes emotional start to finish. Oh. All the actors who played the main parts, they were so good. They were excellent. Mm. Very witty, very foin- funny. Very funny. Very poignant. It's very hard not to sing along. Mm. I was squeezing my armchair rest just to try not to sing along. Very um,
0: hard not to sing along, but it's incredibly yeah. quiet to shut your fucking gob during the the bits that aren't sing along. Unlike a bunch of screaming musos that were sitting next to us,
1: they weren't even singing. Were they singing along? No,
0: they were just rambling along. Oh god, I, I, I
1: just don't understand the audacity of people who think I've paid ten pound for my cinema ticket. Everybody else has paid ten pound for their personal ticket. I'm going to talk through the film. No. Why isn't violence I, allowed, Andy? I don't Honestly? know. Now
0: I, I'm a notorious muso and I'm a notorious fact head, and I kept my gob shut. We'll get onto that later. Maybe that's because you have it, manners, and you're, it, you're not a twat, exactly. oh, yeah, there no, is that.
1: So, yeah. Anyway, fun fact. So, the first Queen song that I knew of, that I heard, it was a cover by Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> it was on my LP, Chipmunk Punk. So, all of Chipmunk Punk is on YouTube. So, if you mm. want to hear Alvin singing Crazy Little Thing Called Love, off you go.
0: <laughs> I have to say, what you're saying about the emotional... The side of it yeah the whole thing was based around freddie mercury so a lot of the narrative was already pretty well known because mm. practically every "Ooh, this movie's coming article online gave you a quick bio bit bio story mm. of the band so this is what you know they they weren't going to sell it on the secret story or anything like that because it's pretty well known it's pretty well established inconveniently so for whoever wrote the script but they hung everything in emotional moments and they did that really nicely, and that wasn't too overplayed. The actors were great.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, they were all secondary to Freddie Mercury. Well,
1: you cannot compare oneself, even in actor form, to Freddie Mercury. Even the actors could yeah. not compare their actor selves to the actor who played Freddie Mercury. But the, the,
0: the three people playing the band, mm-hmm. um, as long as this isn't jumping on, on your point, the three people playing the black band looked so like the band. Yeah, and like shockingly. Ra- but they were nobodies. I mean, like, oh, my good Lord. What
1: a hero. Absolute yeah. hero. Um, I'm so pleased. It would have been interesting to see a Sacha Baron Cohen version of Freddie Mercury. It
0: would have. Um, but it would have been so different.
1: It, but it would have been about Sacha Baron Cohen, I think. So that's why that maybe was vetoed. I don't I, know. I, th-
0: I think because this is the official movie. Yeah. If there was an unofficial movie of it. I think Sasha Baron Cohen would be great, but this is the official movie. So Remy Malek was, everyone thought it was going to be Dodge. And in the first five seconds of watching the movie, I'm just like him, <laughs> him. Yep. So that was, yeah, I can't argue with that. The, the thing, they had some wonderful actors in there, but they were all pretty secondary to just Remy Malek just coming in and going, hello everyone. I'm going to chew this scene. The only person who, the only other person that came close was Lucy, but, uh, Bond to play Mary Austin. Everyone else was dressing. She actually had an emotional presence.
1: She drove it, really. Yeah. Didn't she drive it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that that's why no one else really gets much of a mention. Other than the cats. So the gratuitous <laughs> on-screen pussy is just... There were so many cats. I mean, One of the things they hammered home, I thought quite well, was that Freddie Mercury really, really liked cats. Mm-hmm. And it was... And they were on screen an awful lot. I mean, let, let's 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 face it. Every time they came on screen, you and me had to do everything we could not to make strange squeeing noises. We they were those, so cute. We they made those so annoy- squeeing adorable. noises
1: anyway, didn't we?
0: But the way they did it, I thought was quite effective because it got across. It was almost put there as a metaphor for how strange he was. It was like the here's Freddie Mercury. He's really just a mad old cat man. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So that was but making it okay to be a cat man, I think.
0: They didn't have it as a quirk. It was a subtle little this is a reflection of him being a little bit weird because he was. He was presented as cuz I thought the cats were a good were a good metaphor for that.
1: A little bit different, yeah. yeah. And the fact that he just didn't give a shit really. Mm. Like the 70s version I felt he was playing within the boundaries mm. of what was socially acceptable at the time, mm. especially British culture, um, his fam- family background, mm. uh, his heritage. Isn't it, honestly? It's no wonder Freddie had such an extravagant party lifestyle, to Because I th- genuinely think he just felt like he had to bre- bre- want to break free of all those restrictions, and he must have been, f- he must have felt like he was having to play catch up, wasting his teens and his twenties, if not early thirties. I'm not sure having to. Play within those restrictions, honestly. I My mean, heart, heart goes out. You know, yeah,
0: they were quite. His sexuality was pretty directly addressed.
1: Yeah, instantly.
0: And, yeah, I mean, it, it, He apparently it's used to apparent, call
1: everybody darling, like really yeah. early on, and it's like, well, <laughs> you know, that says a lot. <laughs> that was, is who he is.
0: There, there's been some debate about how how his his eventual uh, preference. He's initially presented as. Closetedly bisexual he's then presented as openly bisexual and he's then presented as gay uh-huh. and there's been some debate about whether you know about whether the way that was represented in the film is appropriate and all that but it's still pretty they're still pretty open about it i mean just i know it's i know it's freddie mercury ugly one of the most famous gay men ever but it's still them being so forthright was still pretty cool so I thought that was quite I think
1: it's pretty difficult to put it in a box unless it's explicitly written in a memoir but he's dead so Mm. at the end of the day it's none of our business and it shouldn't really be a thing but I do still feel that there are a lot of people trying to box in Mm where he sat on what spectrum and it's like can we can we just accept that everybody is everybody and wherever this is wherever they sit you know
0: but it showed it showed some of the struggles and it showed some of the difficulties of the era and the non-acceptance
1: oh my gosh yeah so yeah did you spot mike myers listeners he was in there. I thought the actors playing uh, Kenny Everett and Bob Geldof. They weren't great. They were awful. Uh, they weren't quite right. No. Uh, I mean, I was a massive fan of Kenny Everett. I used to grow up watching uh, Best Possible Taste on BBC. And, you know, it was a staple. Even though I was probably a bit too young to watch it, I was allowed to anyway, because it was it was almost Beano-ish border humour.
0: The Kenny Everett was there not right, we need a camp ginger.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: we'll have him say ducky a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that's Kenny Everett, and I was just like,
1: yeah. I mean, it's a po- poignant oh. scene because Freddie's wife is looking through the window when he's camping it up with Kenny Everett, and but not that's...
0: associating and looking. To, it, it's it, a very it, poignant. Yeah, scene. Yeah,
1: it is poignant, but I just, I just felt like that could have been, you know, especially because Kenny Everett was kind of in the same boat as Freddie yeah. Mercury and was in the same circles and everything you know I don't know I they didn't that was even possibly
0: look like lucky did the, no, the Bob Geldof didn't... did look like Bob Geldof yeah but he looked like Bob Geldof who'd had far too much chamomile tea all the, de- <laughs> the day of uh live aid He was, that was, was just, so
1: peachy
0: <laughs> bob geldof could you possibly spare some change for south africa uh was about the level of commitment um but yeah the mike mars was brilliant um it's that absolutely amazing quote he did
1: yeah, that's with, when the penny dropped for me cuz I saw ne- Mike Myers' name in the opening credits <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "What? When he, is he, he going to show up as Austin Powers or something?" No,
0: he was playing an amalgam he was playing a guy that didn't that never existed that was essentially an amalgamation of all the uh executives that didn't believe in um Queen's vision.
1: Is that what it said on yeah. um, IMDb or something? Yeah. Well,
0: no, that was that- was what he was because if they'd actually done that, they'd probably got sued.
1: Probably. So the, the name character's name was Ray Foster. Yeah. Was not. Was that not a proper person? He's an amalgam. Interesting. So uh, if you didn't spot him, think about the line that was delivered. We need a song teenagers can bang their heads to in a car. Bohemian Rhapsody is not that song. <laughs> <laughs> so when I heard that, I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> That's gotta be the man
0: responsible for Bohemian Rhapsody getting into the charts for the second time. Oh. Getting to say that that was that was pretty cool. I, what I want to say now is I loved the film.
1: Oh I yeah, we were both two massive, hours massive of
0: fans. enjoyment. Yeah, but I felt there was a better film they could have made yeah because um it just felt too simplified a lot of it even allowing for the time limit because you can't cover everything in that length of time cuz queen were around for like 10 years i was
1: going to say it was truncated and simplified it was for truncated velocity really to yeah. fit it in that time span
0: they didn't piss about they they went for it it was it, it didn't feel like 2 hours mm. to me cuz there was a lot of mm. <laughs> all the way through I just thought there was a certain amount of sanitization and a certain amount of, of simplification. So it was especially the relationship between F- F- uh, Freddie and Mary. They were touching on the peculiarities of it, mm. they were touching on. Um, the the trauma that Mary was going through in the situation she was in, where she loved Freddie and Freddie loved her, but they just weren't compatible because he didn't fancy her.
1: Well, it was this sh- a shame because they were compatible in so many ways. Yeah. They were like they supported each other, and I, I thought it was so nice that even though things didn't work out how they thought it was yeah. going to work out, just because of how things were, there was still such a lot of respect, of friendship, and the love was a supportive. platonic support especially towards the end they had their ups and downs there's a there's a a line in it that breaks your heart like it shatters how could you do this to me and then the reaction is yeah absolutely you can you can understand that i don't the response to that completely that was
0: that was that was one of the moments that was one of the moments where i'm like there is something there there is a a depth of emotional complexity that could have been displayed here there is a because they were very complicated emotions especially from Mary because she loved him and she hated him and she was frustrated and she was supportive and there was this I don't think, whole I don't think she hated
1: him I think she hated the situation yeah they but that, there, was, there was
0: there was there, there was this tension there was this of course there was this because huge... it didn't
1: work out how, how yeah. they expected it to it was
0: I, I just I just thought it wasn't it was touched on, and I thought there was a whole lot more there that could have been done. I thought well, those scenes were just a little bit simplified, and n- that that frustrated me because I thought it was tantalizingly close to being something even more exceptional.
1: I don't. That was I don't know. Thing. I don't know because that could have been a
0: whole movie. They
1: didn't. Well, that entire scene, I suppose, but it was it was short and it was sharp. And honestly, I think if they'd have. Egged that on, I think that would have gone into cringe territory. I don't know. I thought it was just enough, to be honest.
0: As I said, I I I think that there was enough from what I saw and from from the play between the two characters. Uh, there is an amazing scene in it where Freddie buys her buys his house with all his money. Yes, and then he buys Mary a house. Yes, and he gives Mary a house.
1: Yes,
0: and this is just after he's basically gone. Look. I love you, but I'm not physically attracted to you. Yes. And they're married. Yes. And there's this scene, where it is is this moment where he's in his house after a party, and where or he's in his house and she's in her house, and he's got it so that he can see her bedroom from his lounge, and he's calling her up, and it's almost like he's treating her like a pet. Yeah,
1: like one of his cats.
0: Uh, yeah, like one of like one of his cats. But
1: I I interpreted that exactly as that, but also because I don't think. N- either of them Mm. knew how to handle that situation how to deal with it and it's like it's so heartbreaking because you can kind of see what freddy's getting at like he's Mm. trying to support and he's financially supportive and but emotionally it's too complex
0: i just thought of all the relationships that were shown Mm. in the film Mm. that was the most interesting Mm. and i didn't think it was all that well developed
1: well, it, it was yeah. a two-hour film. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We I, all I'm know just, that. That, you could
0: that was. It. I, I loved the film. Yeah. I just think that could have been. That was good. It, I thought it could have been exceptional. That relationship part in it. But as I said, there's probably the ability to do a whole movie on it. So.
1: And we um both in agreement, despite its flaws. It was enjoyable. Um, I'm expecting sing-along releases yeah. of that film at any time. But
0: the one thing I say is that whilst there is the huge sing-along factor, there was enough drama in it to not be like a theatrical piece.
1: Well, it wasn't cringy in the yeah. slightest. It was genuinely heartfelt. Yeah.
0: Uh, it, w- it wasn't historical, though. You have to do- you have to approach the historical ac- inaccuracy of it. Um, I'm not moaning about like minor details such as the form, you know, the precise history of the forming of the band, but big things like who was fired when and when Freddie knew he was HIV positive and where they were in their careers and all that stuff. and... I'm not doing this because I'm a pedant. I'm doing. I'm. I'm saying that the historical actresses need to be approached because this is the official story of Queen. You had the band involved in it. everything This is basically them going. This is the story of Freddie. It claims to be factual in so many ways. So pissing about with these things in such an authoritative voice is just not on. They they change stuff to make the plot better whilst presenting it as history. Mm. And this is going to stick with people. People are going to go. Uh, this is such a vehicle to get it into people's mind. They're going to have rewritten history with it. And mm. I just I just don't think that's on. Again, is
1: it's not morally correct, is it? It's like everybody's gone through all these things and you're presenting things in a different order and you're presenting different people talking to each other is it like as it should be like a semi-fictional biopic but there's no term for that
0: the thing that frustrates me is that i think this the actual it's it i think the actual story of queen is interesting and compelling enough
1: but it's the character without, of freddie mercury well,
0: the, the, including the character of freddie mercury i think but, no
1: I, what i was going to say it's the character of freddie mercury that pushes it forward yeah
0: but I think the actual history is compelling enough to over it.
1: Obviously not.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just... So... It's cowardice more than... <laughs> I think it's cowardice more than um, moral reprehensibility. Although I do... I am annoyed by it because it will have rewritten the history of it.
1: Yeah, it's been published now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that. I mean... So I also feel that it implies that Queen saved Live Aid. And I thought that was pretty offensive to pretty much every other band. <laughs> involved in such a historical event I mean how, um, Bob, how Bob Geldof pulled that out of his ass? I don't know because what a feat I mean we've only organised things that are like a fraction a thimble of the size so to pull that off I just don't know how he did it but they even cut the line where he because basically you told me Andy that Bob Geldof went on the camera went I'm... on camera went live and told British people how to do a telethon yeah because i didn't know britain had never had a telethon before yeah there was no children in need there was no dial in Think all we got was saturday morning swap shop and that was the closest thing but that was bartering it wasn't donating money through a telephone line so they cut the f-bomb in the actual film where he went on television and actually said this is what you do ring us up give it your details give us the money and that was when the money started coming in not suddenly because queen and Delivered a great performance, which they did. Oh, but if you you know what I mean. It the was one just thing so the
0: offensive. one thing I'm really looking forward to is when the when the um, when the DVD comes out, mm. people are going to grab the live aid sequence, performance sequence, Ugh. and they're going to grab. The recording oh, of Live Aid. Well, someone's already and, done
1: little bits of it. On oh, YouTube yeah, 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 From filming. For, oh, but they're yeah. going to show yeah.
0: how much care and attention was put into making.
1: That scene alone. Because they did the entire 20 they minutes performance. They did the band entire,
0: band entire did, 20 minutes they? performance <sighs> and they did it so perfectly yeah. replicated. And you could argue that, uh, ooh, it's artificial and all that shit. But I'm like, no, no, no. 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 You're, you're doing a band at, who were at their absolute prime, yeah. arguably at their absolute prime. Well, yeah this is Queen at one of their primes (laughs)
1: but it was just it was the world's biggest most beautiful faithful love letter as a a work of art it was pure heartfelt joy as a historical biopic not so much (laughs) so do go and see it really do go and see it especially if you love Queen on the big screen amazing sound system is a real overloading experience if you are familiar with even a few Queen songs I feel I loved I knew every song in that film. I loved everything about it. But I am a good fan because I can see the criticism in it. So
0: I am not the world's biggest fan of Queen. I think a lot of Queen's music just isn't my thing. And a lot of what Queen did I thought was a bit pat. And I think they're one of the reasons punk happened. And <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of this film. Oh,
1: okay. So, <laughs> so let's so, end yeah. with a clip that resurfaced. <laughs> <laughs> so paraphrasing, so Johnny Rotten, Sex Pistols Everybody is in a recording studio next door to Queen, recording one of their beautiful outrageous pompous things and uh, one of them sticks their head round the window uh, round the door and says oh you're bringing ballet to the masses again Queen or something and uh <laughs> There's a clip of Freddie Mercury that said "Oh, Sid Vicious came round and I called him Simon Ferocious or something like that and he didn't like that very much. <laughs> it's like, oh, I really wish you'd have put that in. <laughs> that would have been amazing.
0: <laughs> and in our concession to the festive season, because the nights are drawing in, you'll soon go to need to rest off all of those mince pies, we thought it would be a fun opportunity to throw some movie suggestions for you going along on the themes of Christmas because everyone has to do this. So my suggestion for Christmas viewing is The Muppet's Christmas Carol. Are you happy? <laughs> it's the 1992 masterpiece of Muppetness, possibly one of their greatest endeavors ever, managing to tell the full Christmas Carol story in all its charm and glory and throw a bit of shade and throw a bit of shade on what is a relatively strangely constructed tale. I mean Dickens wrote by the chapter and the audience gets what it's paid for. Michael Caine is impeccable as Scrooge. Bring both gravitas, menace, and eventually pathos to the role. And the Muppets are the Muppets, and anyone saying harsh words against them will meet me on the field of battle. This (laughs) is, in my honest opinion, one of the greatest versions of, of A Christmas Carol. It is. It is totally within the setting of the Dickensian era. It is also very, even now, is very modern because they are viewing it from that, you know, from the modern timepiece. Whilst time period, whilst telling the story, classic. It's oh, the Muppets are great. The act, the humans are great. the The dance numbers and the songs are great, and they're not overblown. They're just perfectly muppeted, and I honestly think as a feel good bit of viewing, there's been loads of versions of A Christmas Carol. But, I think this actually gets the cl- in my opinion gets the closest to the heart of it because it is the full morality tale, and they they bring in the horror and
1: yeah. they bring
0: in the spookiness and they bring in yeah,
1: they don't look around, do they yeah I mean, they they muppetize it, sure, oh yeah, but they don't cut anything out just because yeah they feel it's a bit
0: spooky Kermit is great, Miss Piggy is miss piggy uh it's um it's narrated by gonzo and and Rizzo. And curiously enough, Rizzo is the weird one in it. So you have Gonzo yeah. playing the straight guy, which he doesn't normally what? do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, have to give absolute props to this one. If you haven't seen it, give it a look. See.
1: Following on from the Christmas Carol, I'll just interject that the Mickey Mouse one's pretty sweet as well with Little Tiny Tim. Um, oh. So yeah, it's not even it's not very long either. Really. It's less than an hour. So mm. uh, if you get a chance to see that, I know. Have I've you al- seen it? The Disney
0: uh, one. I don't remember. Okay. I know a lot of people rage about Scrooge and.
1: Oh, it's all right to watch, but it's it's not actually one of my favourites. Or Groundhog Day actually, but that yeah.
0: Groundhog Day is better. But Scrooge, yeah. the more I watch Scrooge, the more it absolutely feels like a Bill Murray vehicle. It was absolute. It was very much a thing of its time. Yeah. Whereas I think Muppets Christmas Carol is a bit more timeless. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: so my i'm gonna throw my penny into the hat the snowman adaptation 1984 raymond briggs so hey kids do you remember when the uk had an animation industry (laughs) so they actually followed this up with the snowman and the snow dog and i was exceptionally cynical but i'd add a couple of glasses of wine watched it loved it made me ball like a baby yeah, Pretty much just like the first one did when it aired when I was a kid. So there is also a little clip of David Bowie doing an introduction to the Snowman. Mm-hmm. So when the Snowman aired on Channel 4, we had a VHS player and we'd recorded that bit with David Bowie in it. So we'd had that on tape for ages, but it's like no one saw it prior to the internet other than us when Channel that... 4 aired it. And so I think people thought I was making it up. It's like, no, David Bowie's That's there. That's because yeah.
0: history happened and moved on but no, that... so
1: anyway that clip is on the dvd now mm. so i've got that dvd i think and we'll have to watch it again but it's... yeah if they air the snowman and the snow dog i can't understand if you're not going to show them as a double bill now it needs to be done better than raymond briggs father christmas because he's he made father christmas quite grumpy and that made me a bit sad actually because i'm like oh okay is this not your chosen vocation that is sad <laughs>
0: I think, it, I think this definitely falls into the timeless English classic of let's sell all the kids on the idea of a bit of Christmas joy and then in the last five minutes, let's just fucking shiv them in the heart. <laughs> well,
1: that's just Raymond Briggs all over, isn't it? You know, uh, When the Wind Blows as well. Jesus Christ. Oh, you know? When the Wind so, Blows, if you
0: haven't seen it, is yeah. a um, mid-80s animation about a lovely old couple surviving nuclear war. And they both die of radiation poisoning. <laughs>
1: Spoilers. And I know,
0: I know. There's, there's. America's got the day after tomorrow, which yeah. is their story of of nuclear holocaust, and England in the seventies had Threads, which is just a a reenactment of. Birmingham being nuked. Oh, shit. I
1: was going to ask you actually the other day. Have you got it? I saw a no. clip of it on Telly.
0: It's fr- It's one of the most disturbing TV I know, shows I've never ever. Seen it. It's horrific because yeah. it shows the true br- brutality of that. Yeah. And then those are all pretty bad. But I would much rather watch either of them again than bloody <laughs> when the wood because it's just so oh
1: tears. Get your hankies out.
0: It's like graveyard of the fireflies, oh, but just <laughs> with an elderly couple being friendly to each other. <laughs> it's Jesus, oh. Yeah.
1: Supporting each other. Yeah. God.
0: Anyway. <laughs> anyway, away from that, Silent Night. This is a 2012 story of a killer Santa Claus terrorizing a town. It's probably not the most traditional of festive treats, but it's about a thousand times better than all those, ooh, Santa's a supernatural <laughs> monster. Ooh. <laughs> Efforts. Fin <Fiddy-ddy-ddy. Fiddy-ddy-ddy. laughs> What if Santa was a demon? Oh. Whoa. <laughs> oh, piss off. <laughs> Um, What if we tried to make a supernatural horror movie about Santa and didn't have a budget? Yeah, there's uh, a reason no one's ever paid to make a decent one of those films. They're all shit. Uh, uh, it's, it's got a decent cast that gets gradually, well not actually gradually, quite rapidly uh, whittled down in a variety of amusing and innovative and quite Christmassy manners. Uh, and for people who who are interested in this kind of thing, it's a it's a low budget slasher. So most people aren't. It includes, includes Jamie King before she got a real agent, and Malcolm McDowell as the spirit of greatness past. It is probably one of the best Christmas horrors Amazing. I've seen. Um, We'll get that out then. Presumably, it's, you've got it on DVD. Uh, I don't have it on DVD. Is it on I, Netflix? I, I don't know. I saw it once. It kept my attention. Um, it was kind of like Jason meets. Um, <laughs> it, it was like Jason Voorhees meets um, the local tramp who gets a gig in the. <laughs> it, it, it
1: just Jesus! It stood out from
0: there. There was in, in, in the early in the early 2010s. There was just a run of slasher movie remakes. Uh like Bloody Valentine my Bloody Valentine and, and stuff like that. And it just stuck out as one that was a cut above the rest. And I'm sorry I used that sentence. Get out. I liked it. It's got. It's one. I mean, it's always one of those good movies that's got like a four rate, a four out of ten on 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 stuff like Rotten Tomatoes, and then you go to a horror site and they just go, "This is brilliant," and that's always the sign of a good horror movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So I'm going to throw in Pee Wee's Christmas Special. Mm. So if you like Pee Wee's Big Adventure by Tim Burton, or if you grew up in the America in, or if you grew up in the USA with Pee Wee's Playhouse, um, both. Uh, no, sorry, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the new Netflix Pee-wee, Pee-wee's Playhouse is on Netflix. But Pee-wee's Big Adventure was my first foray into Pee-wee. If you are a Pee-wee fan, you will enjoy it. I think it's hard to find people who enjoy Pee-wee's standalone shows without any prior knowledge of Pee-wee. So I don't know whether it's a cultural clash because Pee-wee's Big Adventure is like a warped, funny crazy sugary version of 1950s kids tv mm. variety shows which we didn't have you know we had bbc watch with mother etc you know we didn't have howdy doody or anything like that growing up as the states did at uh, per region as well um captain kangaroo and all that we never had that so i i don't know many uk peewee herman fans but because we were kids when we saw peewee's big adventure it stuck with us, even though we had not seen Pee-Wee's Playhouse.
0: I think the knowledge of it, especially yeah. with stuff like The Simpsons and um, with Krusty the Clown and just the, yes, gen- the general Christy improved the knowledge of Americana.
1: Possibly. I think that's
0: helped grow the knowledge and the understanding of Pee-Wee Herman. But I still think if you have no clue who Pee-Wee Herman is yeah. and you watch it... Um, without any of those cultural references, yeah. you just want to know what the hell is this weirdo doing and when did he get arrested for a sex crime, which I think was the mid-2Ks? Late 90s. Late 90s for whacking off in a cinema. Uh, um, like,
1: honestly, he was arrested. Paul Rubens was arrested for uh, indiscretion in a porno theatre. And you think, the amount of shit that people get away with we- these days, what was that all about, honestly?
0: But Hang on. This is the thing I don't get. It's an indiscretion in a porno theater, isn't
1: that what porno theaters are for? <laughs> Not if you get caught. <laughs> oh right, okay. So he didn't and
0: furtively risk himself. I enough. don't
1: know. I'm assuming maybe people didn't like it because he basically did kids' TV and they didn't like that clash of him as an adult and.
0: Shit, I'm really gonna break people's minds here, but Mr. Rogers had several children.
1: How dare they? How dare?
0: Hmm. Um. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw it, and it was pretty good.
1: Yeah. Well, we've got it again. So we haven't watch it. Yeah, again,
0: it's fun. So. Another one from me, uh, this time going into that well-known uh, Christmas sci-fi genre. Uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. This is a... a the, the, wait, the look on your face. Reader, listeners, I wish you could see the look on Laura's face at this point. This is a 1960s sci-fi classic tale that uses jolly so, jolly old Saint Nick basely against his sullen green-skinned Martian kidnappers. As a surprisingly effective analogy of the in, of the ideological struggles between the capitalist luxuries of the West and the communist oppressions of the east an allegory an allegory okay. analogy
1: analogy or an allegory, one or the other metaphor Yeah. Sit. whatever
0: it you've got this jolly Santa who's American who 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 getting ready to give all the kids their Christmas deals, and then up and, up on Mars, you've got these literally green skin, and it looks like someone just took some wallpaper paste and put it on these. People go, our kids are really upset. Why are they upset? Well, they've been watching too much of that, of, of that Earth TV and getting all excited <laughs> about this Christmas with these presents. What do we do? I know! We'll kidnap Santa! And it, it's outright propaganda. And I mean, it doesn't have a budget, it doesn't have any talent and the person <laughs> who made it had no time. It is schlock. But it is well meaning. Everyone tries their very very best and it works. Mystery Science Theatre 3000 did it and right. and you know as soon as... though I mean there's bad films and then there's good bad films and this is a good bad film. Okay.
1: Well Mystery Science Theatre is on Netflix isn't it? So we'll uh, see if there's that yeah. episode that but they...
0: You can pick it up for a fiver I think. If you just want something that's Daft, properly daft. At least it's not elf. So
1: Elf's alright.
0: I have problems with elf. You have
1: problems with everything. No,
0: I have problems with (laughs) elf because it's because it's about three fill you can see the weld marks on elf where they have three (laughs) movies and glued them together in post. Doesn't
1: that not just mean it's like a kids' TV special? Mm. Elf is basically that.
0: Mm, Suck it up. Elf? I think Elf falls under the same problem as Die Hard.
1: All right, so quick vote. Die Hard is or is not a Christmas movie? It is
0: not a Christmas movie. Bugger off.
1: Yeah, I think the internet wants it to be a Christmas movie. And there's a lot of, well,
0: actually. Well, it's based at Christmas. I think, honestly, I was going through a list of Christmas movies um, today. And some of them... Were just oh because this uh, what was it uh, less than zero the Robert Downey Jr. one that happened at, uh, from from the eighties where he plays a, a junkie and there's like sex exploitation and all that stuff that's a Christmas film because it happens in December it's just and the diehard things that everyone's like oh well it's about man coming home and it's about family and blah 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 and it's, no. no
1: well Gremlins is more of a Christmas movie yeah and that ties in well with the Nightmare Before Christmasism. Of that in between a, a Halloween, Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas, you know.
0: But Die Hard is
1: no, it's not Christmassy at all. But pe- is
0: it? people have t- people have turned around to me and they've gone, oh, but the public voted it the best Christmas. Public br- voted
1: for Brexit. Fuck off.
0: Public vote. Pu- public <laughs> Fuck vo- right off. <laughs> public voted the British public voted voted um, Die Hard as a, as the best Christmas movie ever. You've also got to remember the British public voted Mrs. Brown's Boys. I'm sorry <laughs> to use that kind of language on a podcast where children might be listening.
1: The, the B words, either children Brexit need, or Brown's Boys. Ch- children
0: <laughs> need to know that this show exists so they can Jesus. avoid it. They voted Mrs. Brown's Boys. The greatest comedy of all time. I
1: I saw an advert, like, Radio to... Oh, Christmas television has been released. And, like, Mrs. Brown's Boys everywhere. It's like, who the fucking shit watches this dick cheese television? This is when the nation divides into internet only and absorbing the drudgery of television. Christmas
0: Day on BBC One. They've got Mrs. Brown's Boys and Luther. So your basic choices are between psychological torment and a, and a world of deg- moral degradation or edris elba playing a cop <laughs> okay Don't f- and this is also the great british public that will instantly vote for anything that's xc x face
1: oh. okay <laughs> so no
0: it is not a christmas movie you want a proper christmas movie nightmare before christmas
1: yes in fact let's watch that after this podcast oh yeah okay oh lovely
0: if you haven't seen it what the hell is wrong with you oh
1: get out stop listening now and sort it out
0: darling explain in three minutes or less why it's the great one of the greatest Christmas movies ever it's got
1: Danny Hoffman in it not only doing all the songs doing Jack Skellington with the cutest facial expressions ever Jack Skellington speaks for all of us trying to fit into one jigsaw puzzle piece out of the entire picture He tries to do too much. It all mucks up everybody. It opens communication avenues between different cultures of where he is. He meets different people.
0: They talk it out. They talk
1: it out and everybody's happy in the end. Yeah,
0: a message for our times. It
1: honestly is. I was so happy to be able to see that in the cinema. In all of its stop motion animation joyfulness. And uh, there was a family sat behind us. We went as a family and they left halfway through. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You imbeciles. You're like just going because you don't like art. Just fuck off. Get off this planet
0: other Christmas movies well there's always Love Actually no 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 no.
1: so go online and get to (sighs) jezebel.com because they did a full breakdown of this which is always a hilarious read year after year so for me it's one of those films I was supposed to like as a young woman So, I just find that amount of pressure, like, you must like Grease, you must like Dirty Dancing, you must like Love Actually, you must love Sex in the City. It's like, that amount of pressure is instantly revolting. And I'm absolutely not going to watch your fucking Ali McBeal just because you think I should, because I'm a woman? Fuck off.
0: In the defence of Love Actually... No, I'm joking. I can't. It's... Oh, God. No. No. It happened at Christmas and it's lovely. Sod off. No. It's not. Anyone who ever mentions, I mean, even worse than someone going die hard. If someone goes, oh, well, love actually, it's just a oh, bugger off. You
1: might as well put die hard on if you get to that stage.
0: Oh, I can eat it. Anyway, that's our suggestions for Christmas viewings. There will now be some light elevator music. <laughs> Meanwhile, on TV. <laughs>
1: So let's talk about She-Ra and the princesses, not princess, princesses of power. This is a reimagining of the long dormant 1985 formation series of toy-focused animations, uh, executively produced by Noelle Stevenson, and it runs for a total of 13 24-minute long episodes. Adora, or She-Ra, voiced by Amy Carrero, learns about her mysterious past and connections to the Castle Grayskull whilst fighting the Horde and meeting up with her new allies um, on the planet of Etheria. So there's a supporting cast list. It never ends. (laughs) It's been getting rave reviews and it's set to return in another season next year. So this launched on Netflix the day after I got out of hospital for a procedure. (laughs) So I watched it off my face. It was great.
0: (laughs) Okay, Laura, why was it great? And if you say because you could taste the colours and they were all yummy... (laughs) I will be disappointed
1: <laughs> No, I I grew up with He-Man and She-Ra my brother and I enjoyed it very much um, it was nice, I think it's because um, Prince Adam and Adora are brother and sister so it was nice for us as brother and sister to watch um, my brother had the He-Man figures, I didn't have any She-Ra figures because I was very pissed off that they weren't as big as the He-Man figures Like even at 7-8 years old I was like, females aren't inequal <laughs> so I, I didn't buy them, so we played with He-Man action figures instead, but it's <laughs> (laughs) lovely it really is a lovely reimagining i love the original series and i love the uh, um i love this version as well i watched it over three days i was thoroughly impressed with it the ending imply of the first season implies a second season will come it doesn't work as a standalone season it really lands lands on a true cliffhanger so what i liked was the developments between each character and power struggles the different female characters and it's great. Uh, so all of the characters are very damaged if they've come up through mm. the board. Tret is a real frenemy. Adora is learning about her new Shua self, this mystical sword in the uh, forest
0: whispering woods
1: whispering that woods That was the name, the whispering well done. Woods. we couldn't remember the name because of the forest earlier. i watched
0: all the episodes when i was a kid because it actually had a very decent follow-through of plot absolutely and a lot more continuity than he-man and i was absolutely. fed up with he-man at that time because i thought it was kid stuff
1: well that really pleases me i have married a good man <laughs> who did not care about watching whether something should be for boys only or girls only we just devoured what was on television didn't we I just, Regardless. I just exactly. thought it was a continuation
0: of He-Man, so I fucking well, exactly, watched it. Well, exactly,
1: exactly. And what's nice is that Shira was developed because the producers at Filmation had heard that He-Man had a female following of sisters and just viewers, anyway. So they catered to that market. Hmm. Well done.
0: And it has some nice crossover episodes.
1: Very nice crossover. In fact, the film *The Secret of the Sword* is well worth a watch. There's so much character development in that film. A honestly,
0: pretty, a pretty solid and well thought out mythos.
1: It really? Really did so yeah all the characters would w- uh, develop on from their original incarnations glimmer and bow they're like good uh secondary characters um but they feature in pretty much every single episode they work through friendship and trust issues there's mother-daughter drama between glimmer and her mother uh so, I think there's even though there's lots of drama, there's also lots of reassurance for the viewer because many tensions are resolved mm. whilst fighting against an overarching thing i e the horde so you don't wanna watch something that's gonna leave you tense and angry, like even though there's something that you're following like that the, the, they're fighting against the horde you don't you want things to be resolved if you're say an anxious viewer or something, and I thought that was quite nice, and it catered for certain r- viewers
0: but they let characters disagree with each other
1: absolutely there was there was, there was
0: f- from from what i saw there was some definite inse- not insecurity but there were was some uh, some plot lines were unresolved uh-huh. and that was good because to fix them in that episode would have been wrong oh
1: yeah they're not like episodic yeah fix win fix win like threads yeah there's threads rolling
0: through and they let for a kids show they let people be angry with each other which i think is quite important because that lets people feel their emotions yeah
1: yeah and it later developed why and how
0: but i'm 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 gonna be honest uh i stopped watching it after three episodes it wasn't for me and i love that absolutely, categorically love that because it would have been the easiest thing in the world for these people to have gone, right, we're going to redo Shira, ra and we're going to make it for all those 30-something, 40-something man babies that grew up with, with He-Man and we're going to make it for them. And I didn't feel that and that's great. My daughter in law loves it. That's brilliant. I just
1: Your wife loves it. (laughs) My wife
0: loves it. That's all I need to know. I and it wasn't that I thought it was bad. It just wasn't grabbing me in any way. And
1: that's fine, you
0: know. Yeah. No, I I actually You're not
1: exactly gonna take offence over Like a lot of people have.
0: I'm not taking any offence and I actively enjoy it because it very obviously means that they haven't bothered to make me care about it. So they focused on the people that it's for and I like that. I didn't feel excluded. I just felt Oh, not my back.
1: So I'm also gonna mention once again that the first fandom that comes to mind that who does not complain about remakes, parallel universes existing of one franchise, is the Ninja Turtles fandom. (laughs) So for me it's always disappointing, it's mainly fanboys who make these shitty complaints. But for me, and I knew it was going to happen. I knew as soon as they announced She Ra and they got oh. shit, shit comments, I knew it was going to be fan boys who make these complaints because those shitty eight year old boys who shat on She Ra in the playgrounds and they hated She Ra and they took the piss if you even dared watch She Ra, man or woman, they, they've they just become shitty 30 or eight year old men who still shit on She Ra. And it's like, just fuck off. Just leave it alone. Watch all the other media around that has been made for you over the past three decades or more, just leave it alone because it's not for you. And that's fine because women have had to put up with so much cartoon bullshit like this. And it just, they're finally making things for us now, you know, because they haven't since Gem, you know, I always have a go that they always made like in the nineties cartoons, like Maxie's World and... At beverly hills kids and it was all this kind of aspirational lifestyle cartoon shit and it's like no i want my superheroes i want my transforming singers i want my wonder woman i want my fantasy sword wielding heroines where have they all gone and we haven't had it for like 30 years so please just fuck off and leave let us have some things please you know thank you thank you so some people have been complaining. There's too much LGBT. Well, if there is, it's not apparent. It's just nice that it's in there. Yeah, I, like what's the problem, I, you fucking bigots? <laughs>
0: I, from my limited viewing, I did not get a massive. I didn't get the, like this overwhelming LGBT. You know, it wasn't like. Hi, hey everyone. Today, we're going to learn about the rainbow flag. It was just.
1: <laughs> Which, considering He-Man and She-Ra always ended with: now, Dad, kids, kids, do not judge anybody by their haircut or the colour of, of their, their skin, skin or whatever. You know, do not judge. Be nice to each other. Be kind. But it, it's like: have you learnt anything from these it, Fleischer animations? It was Sorry, there. Filmation animations.
0: It was there. It was probably quite obviously there. But it wasn't blunt. It wasn't. Invasive to the plot, it wasn't and the by theme of any episode, by that, what anything. I, by by that, what I mean is, is you didn't have it being overt. You didn't have it like the hey kids, remember whatever someone wants to identify themselves Sailor or whatever. Says, yeah, sure. It was just there, and it didn't get in quote unquote the way. By which I mean, people were just people, of course. And I don't get what i was fucking winded about.
1: Just bigot- I just like, yeah, I,
0: I I I thought that side of it was great because i'm a huge believer in just having lgbtq just being there because hell people just are
1: people have always been there people
0: are people yeah. and i don't care just about just bigots
1: just yeah. kick off against the bigots Absolutely. but it, it,
0: it wasn't a slight that's the thing I, I don't want people to think that she was some massive like Beat down on the biggest, it's not Not at all, and it's not.
1: In fact, Shiva doesn't care about the biggest, yeah.
0: It's not even a case of going, If you watch this, you're you're not big or anything like that. It's just a case of this series just went, We don't care, we're going to do our thing, we're going to appeal to this group of people. And if you lot want to scream, fuck off because (laughs) the best of my knowledge, it's got a second series season, which means that audience is there and just going, Yeah, can we have some more of that, please? Uh It's quite nice, it's so great. Fill your damn boots. Yep. I won't watch it, but by Christ, I'll salute you as you do.
1: Because you know what? On Netflix, it's like a bajillion other things that you can watch. God if you don't like it. this one thing, please piss off. Thank you very much. I, Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.
0: It's a kid's show made for kids. Made for girl kids. Because, you know, like about 30% of them are.
1: Yeah. how? It, you know what? She was for whoever wants to watch she You mind. know, Absolutely. It's not bad no and it's it's just fun so yeah just give it a try anyway even if you only watch the first three episodes then job done
0: first three episodes is a really nice example of how to build a character and establish a situation in it establishes a situation in an hour and gives you a full through through run for what's going to be coming it was brilliant at that it was one of the best setups i've seen yeah very good tensions, very good dynamics. They introduced the bad guy in brilliantly because he, he didn't turn up till like, episode two. He was a very subtle bad guy. The good guys had tensions. that were misunderstanding. So, it, yeah, the first, first three episodes as a masterclass in how to establish your world. Rock on.
1: Jobs are good. Jobs are good. We went to a lovely little event called HibanaCon. Second stage, they called it, um, held at Jury's Inn in Milton Keynes, November. We went as punters. Andy delivered an updated version of his cyberpunk talk he delivered at Minami.
0: That was the many, many, cyberpunk and its many, many, many derivatives. And
1: there were many. So, oh Saturday morning, Andy delivered this to some very enthusiastic attendees. That was Seven great. of them. No it was great. It was a lovely small event. It took up one entire floor of this multi-story hotel. It was so nice to go to another hotel convention. They're my favorite types of conventions because if I need to crash out I can just piss off and crash out.
0: It also benefited from the fact that there were uh, because they've they've got like one of the floors of this 10-story hotel is the convention floor and we took that over. But there were like way less people at the event than there were rooms in the hotel, so mm. there were a lot of "quote unquote" normies going around, mm. and I really liked that because it meant that on our floor we were fucking mental. <laughs> on the other floors, people calmed that shit down.
1: They did. They did. I don't know whether it's because anime fandoms growing up, or whether people were just getting a little bit more self-aware, but I didn't hear any screeching, weeping mm. shit. So that's great, and I think if you are going to be a screechy weeby shit, you can go to places now, and like MCM. You don't have to do it at hotel conventions. There's just an appreciation of the atmosphere now, and it's like, oh, thank fuck for that. That's come back. You there know? was a
0: lot of cosplay happening at that event. So much. I would go. I yeah. would say 50-50.
1: Yeah, easily.
0: Um, and there, so you can't, and and there was a lot of youngies, and that was cool because it was a very very cool a very tight environment, tight atmosphere there were also as someone who's who's a notorious presentation hound there are a lot of kids oh, okay 20 18 year old and 20 somethings giving presentations and they were just going here's my thing i represent fuck you all i'm going to do my thing and i loved it I absolutely. I mean, they 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 didn't necessarily know what they were doing, but hell, they stood up there and they did it, and that's punk rock, motherfucker. Yeah, it
1: is. I really enjoyed it. So some of the talks we went to see, they covered uh, like superheroes in anime. Mm -hmm. Like some people thinking, oh, My Hero Academia is like the first superhero anime. Shut shut up.
0: (laughs) The the guy who gave the talk, it was a grudge talk where it was literally just (laughs) everyone saying that One Punch Man. Sorry, my. My Hero Academia, My Hero and, Academia My one Punch Man. and One yeah. Punch Men are the first superheroes yeah. in anime, no. <laughs> and here's an hour of me going through everything beforehand. <laughs> Shut your gob! That was that was tasty. We did saw one on Ita Bags.
1: Ita Bags. I love that. It is a wacky concept, but an Ita Bag is like a painful, cringy bag where you where you put all of your fan merch in a clear plastic window of a backpack or a shoulder bag. And after that talk, I actually went to eBay and I bought my own mm. bag. So I'm making my own Ita bag now, an Uru Syatsura bag. So stay tuned. Um
0: our wonderful yeah. comrades at Bunkerzilla. Yeah. All hail, Bunkerzilla. Salute, dear. I said the word. <gasps> Salute. Bunkerzilla, our wonderful syndicated masters. Salute. They did a whole bunch of shows there. They did a couple of live shows, live recordings. And they as did a well. panel conversation, which yep. was definitely worth a thing. Um, what else? Uh, we saw one on fan fiction, which was far less cringy than I thought it was. I talk be. about
1: the history of fan fiction was really interesting because yeah. I'd only ever skirted around the depths of the fan fiction. Mm, era. So it was really nice to. Listen to this talk, even as an onlooker from the outside in.
0: Um, Toothy Cat brought along the uh, library, that which was nice. just a nice.
1: That was nice. It... So it was so lovely to see my books in the comic library. I was like, "Thanks, Mark, Serge." It was great.
0: It was. They had a lot of other stuff. They had like uh, the. They had a, a, a welcome ceremony and a final ceremony that were worth going to oh for gosh. so many reasons well, including mean, live performances
1: li- the live performances were such a treat though i was surprised joyously that they had uh, jolly boat finished yep. up and
0: we saw the super live,
1: super limit break
0: super limit break opened were the and the
1: openers
0: they were a band that were doing a combination of uh songs about anime manga and Uh, theme tune songs and they weren't shit
1: no they were they were awesome they
0: were actually worth watching in and of themselves uh which i was amazed by uh they also had the guy who did um one of the the main guy who did uh nightmare live Mm -hmm. did his show which was called mmorpg live
1: he did and and he narrated the cosplay it masquerades, buried. and the poor bloke he had not known any anyway and he did such a good job and there I was stunned like, ma- him
0: with a heckle so <laughs> oh, get in
1: <laughs> excuse me there was uh, I think only one title that he mispronounced yeah. and he just rolls with it the audience were very good as well so
0: it, yeah all, all I can say is I'm used to talk I'm used to dealing with Keith at Manami, where anything I say he just shuts me down.
1: <laughs> so, and, so that man you'll just hear a shut up, Watton David Habanacon,
0: <laughs> the... I was just yelling crap. And they were just like, Oh
1: Yeah, you you were yelling crap and he didn't hear you and I said, Just ignore him, he's trying to lower the tone and I got more laughs than you. Fuck.
0: <laughs> but- I got to laugh vicariously. You did. Um it was great. I this is their second event and it's a second event should not be this good.
1: And the third event has launched. So that's We're lovely. going to that is yeah. so
0: it's in Milton Keynes. Yeah. It has a very can-do attitude. It's very welcoming. to People these guys opened up a feedback panel the, the the week after questionnaire they're they? taking they're, yeah. they're they're take they're seriously taking the feedback so properly they're like well we've done this uh open question questionnaire and now we've taken all that and now we're asking you some some so we've done a qualitative questionnaire and we're now going to do a qualitative questionnaire and they've already opened up the events for next year um love it going Really so, so the, oh, it's uh, not
1: too far away from us, which is great. Too, yeah. It's only an hour from Cambridge. The hotel
0: staff are lovely.
1: Yeah, they were really supportive of us, yeah. a bunch. So that was great. Oh, there, was, um, there was also two dealers and artist rooms as well. Yes. So And there was a, a games room, uh, board games room, that uh, matched with the comic library room. Mm. There was also another entire room uh, that... Hosted a whole load of video games. I so, think they were run by DDR UK. Yeah. heroes of our time.
0: I think if you're in that kind of area, I mean, even if you're up in, even if you're in London or yeah. whatever, it's a, re- it's essentially a residential convention in the, the second half, in, in the latter have, half. Have of a year. little
1: break. Come up on the Friday. You can leave on the Sunday or stay for the ball, which is it's we, so lovely.
0: Every night they had a party. Now we yeah. didn't do any of those.
1: Oh, I stuck my head in for some. But, Actually, they were fun.
0: I tried, but I'm... no. But if
1: it's not your thing, it's yeah. Not your thing. They also did show anime and films. We ended up watching Shin Godzilla by <gasps> Hideaki Anno. It was so intense. It was such a good film. So wonderful to see it on a big screen. So really recommend that film.
0: I honestly think it was the closest. Re- uh, uh, I think it was the closest Godzilla remake I've seen. Right because it was essentially a political satire and a yeah. political commentary, yeah, yeah. and that's very much in keeping with the original. Uh, it was, one.
1: wasn't it? I mean, you could you knew that Hideaki Anno had grown up with all the Godzilla yeah. films, because Evangelion was basically against, you know, the fight against uh, intruders and angel Godzillas, absolutely. So you knew that he'd just been born to write this film, so but- I'm so pleased he was able to make it. It was
0: nice to see a proper... I mean, I know it's it's not had that much traction over the, over in the West. Yeah. But to see a proper showcase piece.
1: Yeah.
0: Obviously, were there only two people in the fucking room when that we That was really, it? really That lovely, was actually. shocking.
1: Well... It was ki- nice. Kids are too excited and want to do their own thing. You know, it's it's the nature of streaming now. Like, yeah, kids just... Kids, younger viewers will just watch it whenever they can, and there's so much media now, you don't mm. have to make a special event of it. But maybe for us older weebs, we can just kind of but,
0: yeah, have, we, we, make we, the time, yeah. I mean, we tried HibanaCon Hab- because we heard good things about it last we had, year, and we
1: were so, so so pleased with it. So well done, HibanaCon yeah, crew,
0: absolutely approved.
1: Uh, we'll hope to see you next year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have one more Andy engagement has of one the year more because uh, I've, I've
1: got some freelance shit to be getting on yeah. with. But Andy has booked himself in <gasps> for the last gang in town alternative christmas market in cambridge
0: i'm going to the blue moon pub on december the 9th and i'm going to drink heavily <laughs> and i'm going to have some stuff to sell
1: you are. uh
0: because needlessly aggressive uh ha- needlessly aggressive products has um been in a bit of a role recently you
1: do so much stuff Andy. you should be very proud i of had
0: I, I produce a lot of hate um
1: <laughs> we had the mug. we had the
0: mug campaign uh which is going to be ended by the time this goes out so you can only get one by turning up and buying one, but we did have them on Etsy I'm trying to produce, because I keep on coming up with loads of ideas for badges, so I'm trying to produce more of them as we go along, and I'm, I've just discovered the, all, all the anti-fandom and anti-geekery uh, and, and all, all the nasty thoughts I have in the middle of the night, I'm just throwing them up on needlessly aggressive products on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> Um at the uh, Blue Moon Pub, it's got the Roller Billers will be there. We'll have Snickety Swoons, Handmade Jewellery, a bunch of other people. Snixly there's a spoons. There's a guy who does Chili, which ranges between the Pleasant to the Weapons Grade. It actually made me cry when I tried one of his. Snickety
1: um, Swoons, Handmade Jewellery, yeah. Abby Stevens Illustrations, Roller Dirty Soaps, and Needlessly yeah, Aggressive. Yeah,
0: Fabio's going to be there. Last Gang in Town's going to be there. Yeah,
1: I always love to uh, see what they've got.
0: I, uh, Laura Mayle may not be there. I don't know what's going to be happening on that, but I'm going to be there by myself. It'll be great fun. If West comes to worst, I'll have a fucking right.
1: And it's free to come in. Oh yeah, it's yes. free to come in. So and it's in a pub, so get yeah. a nice beer and so, a chat with your lovely vendors. December the ninth, come and buy my stock. Yay! So and then we're going to
0: hibernate. Do we have any plans for next year
1: yet? Only, only SunnyCon. SunnyCon Liverpool in August. August so yeah
0: <laughs> that's our plan for next year one event uh cause one didn't...
1: event we've got we've done a busy year of events so we have to make some stuff now so my the podcasting may reduce i'm going to put this warning out now it may reduce to quarterly instead of bimonthly we'll see what happens we'll see what happens um but for now that's our biannual bi-monthly update December 2018. Thank you for listening.
0: 2018 as a whole. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and race it online. It really helps spread the word and we will love you forever.
1: The Hardcore Genki podcast is available from raggedyman.net forward slash the Raggedy Jam podcast as well as on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Cast and in your stocking. As long as you've been good all year long, we know whether you've been naughty or not.
0: And we're not going to say which one gets you the... A good presence or not. Uh, it's also syndicated on bunkazilla.co.uk, the UK Geek Culture online radio channel, which we love and which will kill me if I ask for petrol bastard one more
1: time. <laughs> Ian knows. Ian knows. And as always, please send any feedback you have on the show to superfortresshg at gmail.com or tweet us at hardcore Genki. One word. Please do send us some feedback, not just likes, that's just boring. You actually write some stuff, you know. Yeah. So we know you still love us and where we can improve the show, please. What sort of things do you want us to talk about? What things are you into? Let us know.
0: Talk to us, damn it. Laura Pink Apple Jam can be found on Twitter at Biomecha Comic on Facebook via the page Pink Apple Jam Art and online at pinkapplejam.com and biomechacomic.com.
1: Andrew Raggedy Man can be found at RaggedyMan.net. Needlessly aggressive products on Facebook and on Etsy. And behind the scenes photos of the project can be found Instagram.com forward slash Needlessly Aggressive So until next time, goodbye, farewell, Merry Christmas And a Happy New Year From the Super Fortress Hardcore Gapy Bye!